Welcome to Wine Unearthed. This podcast takes you behind the scenes of the Margaret River winemaking region in Western Australia, the very place named Best in Asia Pacific by travel authority Lonely Planet. It's produced for you by your Margaret River region and the Margaret River Wine Association. My name's Fleur Banger. I'm a food and travel journalist, and I'll be taking you through this gorgeous spot, tasting the wine, meeting the people, and breathing in the surrounds. Fori, what have we got here? This is Deep Woods Wine, one of the superstars of Margaret River at the moment. Very much the expression of just what it's like in that little part of yelling up. What you find in this characteristic, the Cabernet has a juiciness uh, to them. It's structured. It's quite tight-bodied, dried herb characters, perhaps even some black olive, especially towards the yelling up end, towards the northern end of Margaret River. Margaret River is almost too good to be true. It's essentially a peninsula that sticks out the side of Western Australia, edged by ocean, speared with masses of tall trees and rowed with vineyards that produce a huge amount of Australia's highest level wine. One of the reasons it's able to do that is its magical environment. And that's something we're going to learn a bit about in this podcast. Everywhere you go, there's just wildlife. You'll hear the birds, you'll see the birds. In a moment, we'll pull on our hiking boots and explore the region's dunes as we hear how natural elements combine to create perfect conditions for winemaking. This drained, low-nutrient environment that produces ultimately high-quality wine. A little later, we'll meet a Wadandi man who's going to walk us through the deep connection that he's got for country. Here, the six-season cycle, we basically keep in like a wheel So every two months is a seasonal change. We'll kneel down and smell the earth on a biodynamic vineyard. All right, there's a nice big fat juicy worm there. First though, Peter Forrestal is a wine critic and the co-author of The Way It Was, a book that details the early days of the Margaret River wine region. Peter, there's a bit of a buzzword in the wine industry that a lot of us don't really understand, but it relates to what we're talking about in this podcast, and the word is terroir. Can you explain this very fancy term to us? Yeah, look, a French word that essentially is all of the influences on a wine. You know, the most obvious one is the place that it comes from. So in Margaret River, you've got a huge difference in temperature even from yelling up in the north to Caradale in the south. Then you've got all of the factors that influence that. Let's talk a little bit more about John Gladstone's because he was a scientist who used to go down to the region quite a bit. Remarkable man and a great observer of nature. Talks about remembering when he was a youngster smelling the orchard fruit at Alexander Bridge. He said the perfume... I've never experienced anywhere else. And so he then, you know, studied the situation and wrote a couple of papers. You know, 50 years down the track, uh, he's been proven to be um, absolutely spot on. Let's look even further back to the days when the earth was forming. Jean Hardy is someone who's deeply connected to the region and its environment. So much so, he's built up a hiking business in Margaret River called Cape to Cape Explorer Tours. He's really good at explaining the region's ancient geology and how it links to excellent winemaking. But before getting to the nitty-gritty, Jean took me out to a sandy stretch on the Cape to Cape track for a rummage in the bush. 
Okay, so well, there's all kinds of things along the track as you're bumbling along. This one here is called Pig Face, or the Wadani, I believe, called it Bane, and it's actually really ripe and looking good. You can try this one. Here you go. Give it a bit of a squeeze. How would you describe the smell? They call it native um, rosemary, but it's not really like rosemary. You can cook with it. Now you're an interesting character. You've got this crazy head of hair, tight curls that go in every direction. You've got your proper hiking shirt on, but you're wearing boardies at the same time. Is this your usual uniform? Yeah, it's. Uh, I've got to admit, you know, I went to uni and did a couple of different things there and thought I'd end up in a suit in an office somewhere. I really thought that. I did work experience once. And I was like, whoa, I don't think I'm cut out for this. And, and to be lording it around the beach with wild hair doing in shorts permanently is just the best thing that ever happened to me. There's all kinds of things. There's other like, this is the, um, it's a beautiful little salt bush and just smells so uplifting, you know. Gene and I took a break on the sand in a sheltered spot and he told me what's so special about the Cape to Cape. Well, the Cape to Cape track is definitely one of the jewels in the crown of the Margaret River region. A 124-kilometre long coastal track. It traverses a really diverse landscape between Cape Naturalist in the north all the way down to Cape Lewin in the south. And both of these capes have got a lighthouse on them, so it's like a lighthouse-to-lighthouse hike. There's just, yeah, so much diversity on the on the track not just on the cliffs, it's not just in the forest, not just on the beach. Every step is different and every kilometre is a completely different ecosystem. It is part of a biodiversity hotspot, one of 34, 35-odd internationally recognised biodiversity hotspots and everywhere you go there's just wildlife. You'll hear the birds, you'll see the birds and there's, there's just so much out and about. How did you get so hooked on it? I was so lucky. I was born in in Margaret River, apparently conceived on the beach, and uh, which is way TMI. But I, from a very young age, would would head down the beach, originally fishing, and then later on I got into surfing and also into free diving. And I was just always on the coast exploring, and it was just my freedom. It was just my happy place, you know. It was and. And then being able to share that, it it's so incredible. And even like I now go surfing with my daughters all the time down the coast and when we're hiking back along these tracks like where we're sitting now and have a stop midway and we might be eating some bush food lying around and I just kind of close my eyes and just think this is about as good as it gets. Let's talk about what makes up this coastline because it's incredibly old and there's really diverse, surprising geology. How do you explain it to people? What happened uh, about 350 million years ago was that all of the continents came together and the continent of India actually slammed into the West Australian coast. It was the only bit that it collided with and the only bit that was left was this 124-kilometre edge. So the Cape to Cape itself, essentially you're walking on the backbone of an ancient mountain ridge, which is part of India. And what sort of rock do you find along the way? Well, originally it was granite, and granite is an igneous rock. So it, it originally was laid down as um, you know lava that cooled very slowly under the surface. But when it had this collision, there was this tearing and upward push and movement and all this heat, and that 
was a metamorphic, right? And it made the granite, it buffed it all out of the surface. So it looks so different. It's so dramatic. It's not like big black old laid down granite. This stuff's got texture and it's got all these oranges and reds and all these quartz banding through it. And you can see what's happened. How old is that granite? So the granite, it's not super duper old. It's like half a billion years old. But overlaying that, really interesting, is uh, another rock. And it's Aeolian calcarinite or Tamala limestone. And that Aeolus was the Greek god of wind. And the wind blew the sand up on top of the granite. And then through calcification, it actually all got glued together like cement. So then if you paint us a picture of what you can see as you hike along the Cape to Cape track, what does it look like? Top deck chocolate. <laughs> It's amazing because it's these this combination of these two rocks that give us so many amazing elements of the Margaret River region because they're too craggly and uneven and too broken up in that tearing to create a flat reef to surf on. But the limestone sits in between all that, gets cut off to form wave-cut platforms and is perfect for surfing. The caves, they all have a base of granite, but then they're in the limestone. The limestone is like a sponge and it lets the carry trees grow because they need more water than we've got here from the rainfall. And obviously the wine, you know, like this combination of rocks and the proximity to the ocean and the lateritic gravel is this perfect drained low nutrient environment that produces ultimately high quality wine. Once I had all the background, it was time to hit the track again. Uh, you can see the purple flower of the scavola out at the moment as well. And this scavola here, it's, it's, it's really interesting, you know, like this coastal heath. You feel that. It's like all, it's all sticky. Feel how sticky oh, that is? Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's like a piece of sticky tape, literally. Almost. It's, it's kind of that, that stickiness. What do you think that could be? I have absolutely it's no idea. gross, hey? It's actually the, the plant sun cream. So sticky, hey? So sticky, yeah. You get quite a few frogs on the track as well. One of my favourites is the motorbike frog. They sound like this. And they'll actually call back to you. And it's really cool because there's other little frogs and uh, the little frogs are scared of the motorbike frogs. There's motorbike frogs, the big green ones, they eat little frogs. So if you hear the little frogs, like um, the quacking frog, they go like this. If you hear those guys and you do a motorbike frog, all the quacking frogs stop. Yeah, there's a couple of other cool ones. One you'll have heard of, and it's at night. It's called the moaning frog. It's... And the other one's a banjo frog. pretty cool. So there's often a lot of frogs out here, particularly after kind of after rain and in the wetter areas. And is it like anywhere? If you've got frogs, it means you've got a healthy ecosystem? Yeah, frogs are a really good indicator. We see loads of frogs. It's really cool. Frogs are also important to Margaret River's Aboriginal people, the Wadandi, or saltwater people. Cultural custodian Zach Webb grew up with both an Indigenous education about his land and teachings about the wine industry, with his family having feet in each camp. He took me to a local billabong to share his connection to country. If we just go for a walk just down here, we get down towards near the swamp and near the waterways and you start to hear a lot of the frogs 
and that koyat, they will start to indicate the freshness of the water. So I say, Tamara, Komara, Changara, ancestors, ancient ones, the spirits. I say, Mirai Janang, Miral eyes, Janang, sea. Bujara, country. Nyere Bujara, beautiful country. So we basically say that if we come to a water edge and if we don't hear any wange of koyat, no talking of the frogs, it's waragiaba, bad water, make you sick. But if we hear the frogs, we know that water is fresh to drink. The Noongar people of southwest Western Australia, they also have a calendar that has not four, but six seasons. The four seasons of autumn, summer, winter, spring don't really come from here and aren't really relevant. They're from England. And here, the six-season cycle, we basically keep in like a wheel. So every two months is a seasonal change. So we, as Aboriginal people, don't just go, oh, it's the first of this month, it's springtime, these flowers must be springing. It's to do with what their cycle is. I was actually talking to a local winemaker just the other day, and he was saying he will pick the grapes when he starts to see the kangaroos jumping the fences into his paddocks and when he sees certain birds come onto his property. He said that that has been the best production time, that the most tastiest of his wine has come out. Does that make sense to you? It totally does, yep. So when he started to talk about some of the stuff, I was like, wow, that's exactly how we look at country too and encouraged him to keep looking like that. And that's what we encourage a lot of people to do, to have a look at their surroundings and really listen to what the country is saying while she speaks. In Zach's role as a cultural educator with the Underluff Association, he shows people that we can all have a connection to country. I guess the belonging and the connection to country that we all have is about the sense of place and that feeling that we belong. I liken it to when a lot of people go out on country, they love to go for walks uh, through the bush, whether it's by the river or the ocean itself. They like to walk on country and experience that feeling. And when they get to places, they feel as though they're connected or belong to that area, whether you're an Indigenous person or not. And I like to say to people, that is the connection that we all, as human beings, have to the land and to the country. And it's about listening when the country is telling you that you have that connection. So sometimes you might go to a place when... Uh, it's not feeling that well. You feel bad and you shouldn't be there. I say to a lot of people, heed that warning because as Aboriginal people, that's what we do as well. We listen to the country and if the country's telling us not to be there, there could be a warajanga or jangara, bad spirits. And just to make sure that you're feeling it with inside you. So that connection to country we have as Aboriginal people is just listening to the Buja or the Bujara. 
the mother and the country and listening to what she has to say. This river here is very significant, the Margaret River, or the Wadichap Billion known to our people, as it's a song line or a story about our grandfather Wadich and our grandmother Millianne and the story of how they came together and when they were married. So when they're quite a moot, when their hearts became a family. Can, can you tell us more about the song lines, what they are for those who don't know and where they cover in Margaret River? Well, the song lines are throughout country and the song lines are written within country that we see today. These are what I would liken to on your TomTom or your GPS when using your car, it's your final destination. And the song line is the route that you are taking within your car to get there. Our people are sung song lines and told the stories and significance of certain places and areas so that we get a visual understanding in our mind of what the country looks like and our traditional boundaries. So like from one or up, you're going to sing about Warnang, peppermint tree, the Agonis flexiosa. And from Warnang, we're going to talk about how our yorga, our women, will make from a Warnang, they will make a Warna, which is their law digging stick. And from that Warna, they will go to places such as Wanarup, the place of the women's law digging stick. So it will connect those trees to the country, to the land, to the rivers, to the next song line or the next place. And by doing that all the way as children, you require no technology to tell you where you are or where you belong in the world. Zach's family straddles two cultures. One side's Aboriginal and the other side is from winemaking stock. My grandfather came from over in Melbourne. On my mum's side, she was born near Mildura. My grandfather was actually asked to come over to Western Australia here and to show them how to start a vineyard. My mother came over and my grandmother and family subsequently went to school with my dad's sisters, met up with my family, and I'm a product of that. Ever since I was a young little Kuranga, I remember while they picking grapes in the vineyards, I'd be there eating. They'd be telling me, don't eat too many because you're going to get a korborumrindich, a sick belly soon. Zach never felt compelled to work in the wine industry. His father's side, the Indigenous side, inspired him to look after the earth in different ways. I had grown up with my family on country as well. We used to get taken out by my great-grandmother and great-grandfathers out on country all the time, collecting things like um, bardi, witchetty grubs, and all the foods, so like bush medicines and tuckers. I guess that was one of the major factors that drove me following my career path towards rangering and looking after country. Before I left him, he showed me how to make bird calls using a peppermint tree leaf between his palms. Picking the nice, fresh shoot, you're looking for the furry sort of leaf. When the korobardi, when the magpies, they call out to mum and dad for food. (laughs) So you get that. Uh, Also, we get a lot of the ducks throughout the swamp areas. They go... We also sound out some of the cockatoos, like... So we do a karak, which is that red tail or that cockatoo. But also, if you listen to it, it goes... 
which is a darad or the 28 parrot. What are we smelling and tasting here? Cabernet from 2017. Ah, so this is um, Blind Corner. The winemaker's Ben Gould. It's a beautifully made wine. There's a purity, quite silky. It's, it's, yeah, it's a good drink. Now, Blind Corner is a biodynamic wine. Are you hearing about many other wineries going towards greener practices? Look, I mean, certainly places like Vas Felix and, and Voyager are changing the way that they operate. Vanya Cullen believes that um, since they've adopted biodynamic practices that their wines are, are much better. Um, you know, she notes that the, the grapes ripen more quickly. I think it's probably easy to argue that people who live in Margaret River generally are really quite connected to the environment and interested in its preservation. Would you say that's the case? Yeah, I think for a lot of people that's the sort of reason that they've gone to Margaret River in the first place. It is somewhere where you, you do feel close to the earth, close to the ocean, um, and that does tend to reflect not just viticulture but a, a wide range of farming practices. North of Margaret River, just out of Yelling Up, Ben Gould tends to a biodynamic vineyard and winery. So we're with Ben Gould at Blind Corner. His connection to the country inspired him to find a way to grow grapes without hurting the earth, which is a concept he first came across in France. Oh, it's been a slow burn for me. So I've been in vineyards and wineries now for 20 years and sort of conventional vineyards, conventional wineries sort of added everything to wine, sprayed everything in the vineyard and thought there could be a better way. Went travelling with my wife. We spent six months in a builder's van doing every surf break and wine region in Western Europe. And along the way, we saw places like Clos de Coulis de Sorant, which is quite famous that the man there, uh, Nicolas Jolie, he's sort of the grandfather of biodynamics and his vineyard was alive. You know, the, the wines he was making were zero sulphur and the when you walk through the vineyards, there's birds and butterflies and no disease. And, you know, the soils were healthy and everything just looked magic and thought, okay, this is interesting. So when we came home to start our own place on our small plot of land, we wanted to build a house and have a family and uh, didn't want our kids sort of running out and eating dirt and eating something that could potentially be dangerous or bad. And so then how did the switch happen? Slowly. uh, We just cut out all chemicals pretty much straight away and I'd read a lot about biodynamics and was sort of sitting there going, okay, I don't understand any of this. And then I read something that said the best thing to do is start. So I went, okay, we'll we'll start with a little bit and see how we go. Now we have 24 hectares of certified organic and biodynamic vineyards. We're standing in one of them right now. The vines are growing either side like a row of corduroy and there's some beautiful dirt underneath our feet where you've just planted. What have you planted? Uh, In the mid-rows, we've just put some six strains of clover, some vetch, peas, ryegrass, some are nitrogen fixing, and we want to outcompete some things we, we don't like in the vineyard too, instead of resorting to sort of spraying them out. The sun's setting right now, and the beautiful tall trees that are so characteristic of Margaret River are just fading into a silhouette at our backs. Shall we kneel down and have a look at this dirt that you've sure. put so much effort into? Let's have a look. I've brought a shovel with me. We're just going to dig underneath one of these vines now. These are some old Sauvignon Blanc vines. So it's quite a sandy site here. We're fairly close to the coast, about four kilometres from the ocean. And spent a lot of time spreading compost, trying to build up the soil. 
They build up the microbes in the soil because that's what transports a lot of the micronutrients to the roots of the plant. And of course that travels up in the sap and ends up in the grapes, which ends up in your glass of wine. Kneel down and have a bit of a look. All right, there's a nice big fat juicy worm there just underneath that small root. So worms mean good soil health, I imagine. That's right. It's a, it's a nice environment for them to be in. They can create all sorts of good conditions for the vines, but also the soil to, to thrive. What we're trying to build is a pretty balanced biome in here. So you know, lots of beneficial yeast and bacteria that can sort of transport the flavours and the nutrients that the vines need. So if we had a microscope and we zoomed in on this beautiful dirt that you've just pulled out and I've got running through my fingers, what would we see here? Well, we'd hope to see lots of little wiggly things, things like, you know, nematodes, yeast, bacteria. So much of Margaret River, like any wine region really in the world, it's built on soil. If we pick it up, you know, are there characteristics and even smells that we'll get that you might not get elsewhere? Yeah, we... (sighs) Even though this looks quite loamy and, and sandy, there's a very strong gravel smell coming through, uh, which is always indicative to me of Margaret River. I sort of smell the gravel and the eucalypts and the ocean, and, and then, yeah, you feel like you're home. Yeah, it's nice and uh, pliable as well. Who's here? Uh, that's Neko, our, uh, our winery cat. So she lives in the winery, but she's decided to follow us out here I guess. That's quite funny. (laughs) Hello. So she lives in the winery. She's our organic pest control. (laughs) What does she pick up? Uh, Well we don't have a mice, a mouse problem anymore around the winery uh, which is fantastic and she's got a bit of a soft spot for cockroaches so (laughs) so we don't have those anymore either. Adhering to biodynamic principles and traditional winemaking practices means a fair bit more work but Ben has found a clever solution to that. All of our red grapes, all our red wine here, we all foot crush. So everything's foot crushed and hand plunged, basket pressed, all wild fermented, so very, very old school winemaking. We used to, in the early days before staff, I would be looking down the barrel of 12 to 14 hours of foot crushing by myself. So I I came up with the idea of having a barbecue, getting a few friends around, and uh, it quickly would solve the problem for me. I'd just be running around feeding people wine and and drinks, and uh, it would save me a lot of work. It was hard sometimes to get people to, to get in uh, but but once people get in they don't want to get out which also causes an issue I'm like no that's enough now I don't want it too too crushed. How have drinkers started to respond to the biodynamic organic thing like do people seek it out now is it becoming well known is there a trend towards choosing that wine over other wines? I think so we've seen it we've uh, been lucky enough to to sell out every year and the trend of wineries going more organic I mean anything you read in the paper at the moment you know, is showing how much the growth of organic wine is happening. There's always been a, a bit of a subculture and it's just growing and growing. And people want to know where this stuff comes from and, and what's sprayed on it and why. And, you know, so yes, it's, it's certainly growing. There's now currently an organic trail, which has just started down here for, for wine lovers who want to visit the organic wineries. Currently there's only five of us, but you can pick them up at the Tourist Bureau and uh, come and Say hello and say hello to Neko. <laughs> Let's see, what have we got this time? This particular wine is from um, Mr. Barvel, one of the uh, bright young guns, Rob Girardi. He calls it Vino Rosso, a blend of Petivado, Cabernet Franc, and Merlot. Shall we try it? 
yeah, Prime. Nice. I like that one. Good. Mm, very smooth, but kind of um, spicy and a little bit sexy. Ooh. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> what do you say to that? Oh, well, yeah, not sure I could say anything as um, revealing as, as that, <laughs> but it's got a lovely um, intensity. Um, the best wines from Margaret River are world-class wines. And you could take that to a dinner party in Paris put it on the table and the people would say, you know, would be very impressed. Wine, wine, blood red in the moonlight glow And the glittering stars above beautiful world. You're listening to local musician Claire Warnock and her track Wine, Wine by the Cullen Wine Song Soundtrack. Additional music by Josh Hogan, Ned Beckley and the Newtowns. This podcast is supported by the International Wine Tourism Grant, funded by Wine Australia, Margaret River Wine Association, Margaret River Bustleton Tourism Association, Southwest Development Commission, and Australia's Southwest. It's been scripted, recorded, and presented by me, Fleur Banger, from White Noise Media, sound designed by Tom Allen from Barking Wolf, and produced by Sophie Mathewson. Special thanks to the Underlup Association, who remind us that while visiting this beautiful part of the world, you walk softly on country. For inspiration planning your trip to this beautiful part of the world, visit margaretriver.com.